0: that I said someone in the top 10 has cheated and then people assumed that this was like well I I said I would bet on that not that I have like definitive proof or anything which I don't Um, and then people were like well the top 10 is this so who is it and a lot of people are starting to accuse me of cheating.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to another C-Squared episode. In today's episode, we will be talking about Tata Steel, uh, some things that have happened since we uh, last discussed on the channel, and uh, many more other topics. Fabi, first of all, uh, welcome back. Hey, how's it going? You are uh, not in the US anymore. Tell us a bit about your location. Don't give us too many details, but tell us a bit about your location.
0: Oh, I'm just in Germany. There's this, um, I guess, highly publicized event already called the Goat Chess Challenge. The Goat? (laughs) Which which is a... It's called a freestyle event, but it's basically like a Fisher Random event. And the players are... I mean, it's a very strong event. Magnus is the highest rated player. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: He's playing. Ding, the world champion, is playing. And uh, I'm playing. And then there are some of the uh, young guys. Okay, from the, the not young guys, there's also Levon playing. And then from the young guys, there is Vincent Keimer. Let me uh, make sure that I get this right. There is uh, Notrebeck Abduzatarv, I think. Let me just... Aronian and Gukesh. Yes, you're, Gukesh. you're, you're correct about that. Yeah. yeah. And
1: Ali Reza. You mentioned Ali Reza, right?
0: No, I didn't. But Ali Reza, let's not, not forget him. He's the uh, number one of the young guys, although he's no longer a junior by age um actually and I, he's not right so number one junior no. would be Nanta, but he's not playing noterbeck is he's a he's the number one junior in the tournament kukash pretty much the same rating yes Keimer, actually they got pretty much the besides Prague, they got the top three juniors uh, and ali resin
1: yes a lot of people are actually continuing their recent trip from Tata Steel. they they're going to germany Ali Reza Ding, uh, Nodirbek, Gukesh, and of course uh, joined by Vincent yourself, Magnus and Levon more or less. So four players continuing from Tata Steel. Four players coming, rested, nice and rested. I think uh, Magnus was on a recent vacation as well. He was posting about his uh, sunny vacation. So you know everybody's taking their time at the beginning of the year to kind of recharge. You know, it's it, it's an interesting moment whenever you start a new year whenever you finish a season because i guess the end of the season is the world rapid and blitz, right at the end of the year that feels like okay this just finished the cycle uh, the one-year cycle as a chess professional and then you take the first couple of weeks off unless you're playing that still so <laughs> this is the first time for you that you're not playing in a very long time
0: right yeah i i think since uh, I played 2020, 2021 I played, 2022 I played during COVID years. Mm-hmm. Um, 2020 actually wasn't during COVID because it was, well, I guess COVID was going on, but it hadn't been widespread yet, so we didn't mm-hmm. have to deal with that. And then 2023 I played. And yeah, so this is the first time. I didn't play in 2019, 2018, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. 2017 I played probably... A tournament which no longer really exists but uh was the main competitor for Tata at the time called the Gibraltar chess festival I think it was called Jim Telecom yeah that was a sponsor yep Uh, and now I I think that it doesn't happen or is unlikely to happen in the future yeah that one Um, lost
1: its sponsors actually it was a great tournament especially um you know for like regular GMs like 2600 2650s and especially for uh female players because I think the prices for female players were quite consistent Um, so well, they
0: actually had an interesting system, um, which some people will not like, some people will think is is fine, which was that they had women's prizes and open prizes in the same tournament, but the women could win two prizes, yes, cumulatively. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, you could accumulate, um, and usually, sorry, did I close my camera? You're good, you're good, I can still see you. Oh, yeah, I just like touched my phone the wrong way, and uh. (laughs) uh so normally it's like you can you can win a prize and you can let's say you get two prizes they give you the higher the higher prize right so let's say you win top woman uh, and fourth place in the tournament you get let's say the top woman prizes maybe it's more money but there it would accumulate and there was one year where how tied for first and uh also of course naturally got the the top woman prize because she tied for first in the overall event uh i I don't know who who she tied with it might have been hikaru i don't remember the details it actually might have been nigel uh, Mm -hmm. as well but but she got basically both prizes so it ended up being a pretty significant amount of money which is good for her um but yeah that that was a that was probably the best tournament for women in terms of prizes at the time and now there are some other good events like the karen's cup is is a very high paying closed event Mm -hmm. um and Norway chess will have equal prizes for the open event and for the women's event, which are happening side by side. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, interesting. Um, I guess we went a bit off topic there.
1: No, absolutely. And speaking of uh, Tata Steel, actually, before we get into that, I think we did mention that you know it's a long tournament, and uh, I think we were discussing this in 2023 um, when I went to Tata Steel for the first time in let's say my life um as a second and we were discussing how much time you spent in Tata Steel over the last 15 years over the last 15 or participations or so and I think we got the point where we were getting close to a year like a full year for you of living in Tata Steel (laughs) over the years
0: yeah that's um that's possible I I don't know exactly but for some players like for Magnus or Vichy especially I think they they have probably spent well over a year. Uh, for me, of course, it's a bit less. But I played for the first time in 2008. Yeah, uh, I was um, I would have been 15 years old at the time, in what was called the C group. And that time at that time it was it was not called Tata. That wasn't the sponsor. The sponsor was um, it was also a steel company. I mean Tata Tata Group is like the big, really big uh, corporation in India. But they have their own like Tata Steel um our company mm-hmm. and the one we before Tata it that sponsored the A tournament was called well, I can't remember um chorus the chorus chorus corpus.
1: I remember that yes no, yeah so I remember. think that was
0: actually a Dutch company and and they have had uh vikings is is known as this, the city in Netherlands where they have a lot of steel production they have a big steel plant yeah. so yeah 2008 was the first time then 2009 second time b group and 2010 was the third time because I was the i I won the c thereby going to the b group and the b i won the b group thereby qualifying me for the a group and the a group um 2010 i think that magnus was the winner but i might be mistaken about that
1: Hmm.
0: and i i didn't do very well but for my rating it was actually kind of expected what i what i did so i was seven uh 17 years old at the time Probably about 26, eight, 70, 80, mm-hmm. uh, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And so I was an underdog, of course. Yeah. Uh, and so I think I scored minus three. Uh, Magnus was a bit older than me. He was already not number one in the world necessarily, but he was among the players who were fighting for number one. Yeah. The players included Topalov, uh, Anand, Kramnik, Aronian, those, uh, maybe a few others um I can't exactly think of at the moment but those maybe more um Ivan Chuk uh, I think these were like the the best players in 2010. Mm -hmm. let me just I'm just curious I'm gonna check the rating list for January
1: 2010. (laughs) the rating list of January 2010 but um while you do that we need to talk about what happened in Tata Steel because uh, I have to say the last couple of rounds were absolutely insane especially the last round was quite crazy first of all The final standings included four players tied at the top with eight and a half uh, points. Uh, Those players were Abdusatarov, Gukesh, Anish, and Wei. But how they got to tie in the last round is uh, kind of crazy. So Gukesh won against Parham with Black. Okay, this absolutely can happen. Um, And uh, Gukesh played a tremendous game. Wei completely demolished Vidit with White. And we'll talk about the way in just a second. He's been having an absolutely fantastic year, definitely showing um, his his class. back against uh, Donchenko, we were sort of expecting, and I think we discussed this in the last podcast. We were expecting Nadirbek to have an easier route uh, for the last couple of rounds, but a big one. Um, well, the big one was in round twelve, in fact. Uh, Anish in the last couple of rounds. Last one, one against uh, Max uh, Warmerdon. Sure, a player that was really struggling, completely uh, blew him off the board. But in round twelve, I mean, we need to talk about this one against uh, Jordan. With black, he won in twenty moves, twenty-one moves. One move blunder. I mean, what was that? What did Jordan do when he played that move, Queen to C three, in a completely innocuous position? I mean, pre-drawish, pretty pre-equal. Pretty looking and then he play plays queen c3 he loses on the spot what happened there
0: yeah okay so to, to start with round 12 was absolutely insane i mean the whole end maybe even the whole tournament you could argue was completely insane um yeah anish won very quickly like basically as soon as i checked the games in the morning that game was over literally over <laughs> not that he was winning but it was <laughs> literally over yes and uh yeah queen c3 i mean it's pretty simple he he thought Queen c3 uh which I don't know how long he took but I don't think it was very long I think he probably played it quickly which explains the blunder. and he probably only looked at a4 and then maybe he was looking at Knight c5 after a4 maybe he was looking at Queen c5 after a4 I'm not exactly sure but he had something in mind after a4 which is not winning for black
1: Queen c3 was uh, played
0: he, in 20 seconds uh according he, to yeah, my he doesn't miss the game. that that's it he he probably thought that blacks works on the e-file and they're not moving Queen c3 kind of attacks upon, not exactly, but sort of eyes the a5 pawn. Uh, if you if you don't see rook c8, then it makes sense. Um, of course, if you do see rook c8, then it loses. <laughs> and, and I have to say, of course, you shouldn't, in a position like this where there's tactics, well, in general, in any position where you have 50 minutes and uh, you can't possibly get to the heart of the position very quickly, you probably should spend a bit of time. Yeah. Here, it's actually quite important, because you know White is in tactical danger. I mean, uh, Black is threatening A4, and White needs to play root to AC4 to solve that threat, which you can figure out if you calculate. But if you don't calculate, you you could easily not figure it out. Yeah. So anyway, it was, um, that was that. Yeah, uh, Anish won that game, very important for him. Like, more crazy things happened in that round. To start with, um, probably the craziest thing uh, was that Gukash was completely winning against Prague. Ooh. like completely winning yeah i mean
1: yes yes
0: basically I, I saw the video like yeah, yeah pra- Prague uh was looking like he's ready to resign even after after before i was watching the video it looked for a second like he was because white is kind of threatening to take on h6 like mm-hmm. he didn't see a way to stop it and he was about to resign and then he saw that queen of fate at least avoids immediate resignation then they repeated and then they repeated again and then they repeated the third time. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then it was a clear draw and it's very clear from the video gukesh makes his last move bishop d6 and gets up so he's not trying to make a draw it's like he reached move 40 and then he's thinking okay queen f7 will happen and now i'll think with all the time in the world about how to finish this game off yeah because white doesn't win by force white needs to you know place some accurate moves and uh, okay there's a bunch of ways to win eventually but you, you do need to work for it. Though. But the that thing is better. that black doesn't actually have
1: any threats. So you can make just a random move. You can play the move e4. You can go bishop to g3. You can make a time passing move um, and just be completely winning. Completely fine in the position. Bishop d6, sure. like how, how do you even explain that decision? Did he forget that he already repeated twice? Uh, was it just a moment of panic because he played it with 10
0: seconds on his clock like i mean I, I don't think be? i need to explain it because I, I think i from the video it's very clear like he makes this move he gets up very calmly like he just made move 40 and then he's about to like leave the board mm-hmm. and then he like makes a double take and comes back and looks at the score sheet so it's like very clear he just blundered that it's a repetition um yeah he could have played instead of uh, bishop f4, for example, rookie 4 is a very good move, because you um, you want to induce queen g6 and then trade queens on g4, and the endgame is actually pretty, uh, probably pretty hopeless. Or maybe even after queen g6, you can play bishop g3 out. Maybe there's like a bunch of ways. Um, but yeah, in general, it's it's clear that he just blunted the repetition. It's still shocking uh, that it happened, because like, normally players have a clear idea of where they are in terms of how many repetitions... Sometimes when you're playing blitz, it can be difficult, but like here it's not. you know, 30 second increment, you kind of should have a more or less clear idea of how many times you've played this particular position. Yeah. And also Ali Reza, uh, I mean, speaking of other things, Ali Reza beat Ian, like basically from the opening, like just smashed him um, is the best way to put it in a a Joe Bava London, which started from the move, Knight c3, first move. (laughs) Jan's Um, reaction to one Knight c3 was was quite funny, actually. You know, I had once, like, thought about this line, and the computer very much likes this approach by Black to play, like, Bishop g4. And uh, then if you start to check it, you realize that White gets the bishop pair, Castles long, plays g4, and has a clear plan, and Black's play is not so clear cut. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And uh, so the computer kind of if you're trusting it without analyzing very concretely then it can actually mislead you it so, reminds me um, of
1: um, jan's game against ding from the world championship match from the rapid tie breaks i'm trying to remember exactly which line that was but it felt it had the same echo um something that the computer generally likes and then suddenly from a practical perspective especially you know in a rapid um format it, it's much more difficult to play for from a practical perspective for black. Yeah, Do you know which I, I, game I'm talking about?
0: I, I'm trying I to remember whether it was, it was the exact game. same. It wasn't the exact uh, variation. No, no. That's what I can tell you. In the rapid tiebreaks, there was a game where Ding played uh, move three, c3, mm-hmm. and then after c5, took on c5, and then after the e6, bishop to e3, and tried to hold on to his pawn. But but that was with short side castling both of them, and Ding got some advantage, and eventually it was a draw. Could have been, like, it was actually the probably the best game, uh, best game by both players of the entire match. If we're, um, if we're speaking about that match, but okay. Like from this type of position, I I don't know if I see the similarities, but from the, um, idea of like preparation to get your opponent in a kind of vague position where it's double-edged and the computer likes, uh, their position. It, it is a sort of modern approach makes a lot of sense. Um, people are are trying to do this, looking for kind of these non-concrete positions where uh, both sides have a lot of possibilities, and maybe the computer gives a little bit too much of a of an edge for one side, and that would make people stop prematurely. Like they just say, "Okay, this is fine," and put some uh, small analytical symbol to conclude the variation in our analysis, and we're done. Complicated, uh, but yeah, 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 complicated slightly better or whatever. Which the, these things, which maybe aren't so helpful over the board. Uh, so, and then also. Uh, Vidit won a basically flawless game against Noderbeck. close, close enough to flawless. I mean, not nothing's flawless, but yeah, he, he won a really, really excellent game. Yeah. Kind of uh, basically what happened, uh, was he had some idea in a sort of Nimzo line G3, mm-hmm. which is interesting. And then, uh, Noterbeck didn't know the position and quickly got a bad position. And, and then it was actually a technical job, which he converted pretty much perfectly I mean you can maybe argue about some of his moves but it's a really nice game yeah no that was uh, uh, was really good by Vidit Vidit by the way
1: he's been having a tremendous year yeah I mean really good play really good quality of play I would say for for Vidit and he has been receiving a lot of praise for it for good reason
0: yeah he's he's a he's definitely one of the best players in the world Uh, I mean now he's number 14 in the world for it's all very close of course so separated by well there there was a thing right Vichy dropped out of <laughs> India number one and Frog got India number one, bid it and, and so on. Uh go Gukesh like they're all actually separated by five points.
1: Nobody could hold so, it for more than one day basically at one point. That yeah, India number well, one. it's and it's still on I nut, mean, right? Right now it's a nut
0: Yeah, but okay first of all Vichy I don't think he cares very much. He also doesn't play at all pretty much. I think that he is as close to retired as we can say. I mean, he probably has no reason to. Uh, I mean, he's achieved everything that you could achieve, and he's also 54 years old. It's not like um, he needs to stay super active, and he has a family and so on. But well, but of course, this this leads to having a rating which might not be indicative of your level in the world, right? Yeah, we don't know what his level in the world is.
1: I, I, I think Vishy right now, he's thinking of himself as more or less, you know, Semi, at least semi-retired, right? Um, He enjoys doing commentary. He enjoys doing content. I think at least from his posts, it feels like he's definitely enjoying seeing the rise of all these other Indian players. Um, And I'm sure he supports and trains and mentors uh, a lot of them. Um, But also he loves going to concerts. Um, I don't know if you've seen his uh, recent post when he sings alongside sing uh sting sorry um quite a, quite an interesting one i have to say and then <laughs> vladimir <laughs> response okay boomer did you see that i saw, I saw. yeah <laughs> amazing, amazing amazing social media content i have to say
0: yeah i i saw no it's it's uh it's cool yeah it's a nice uh, nice moment <laughs> yeah. very, cool, very oh, cool so okay there's yeah there's a lot of guys uh, jockeying for top spots or well, we, we can say top spot in their country or, you know, top spots in the world. Mm-hmm. It's all very, very close now, I have to say. From Ding, 2762, to Gukash, for example, 2743. That's actually 12, 12 players, wait, 13 players, I think, yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, 13 players, and they're separated by, you know, 19 points. So, uh, you know, 19 points can basically, 22 players can change within a tournament. You know, one player can have a good one, other one has a bad one. For example, uh Ding and Geary are now equally rated and they were thirty points uh, thirty-one points apart before Vikings a, Because Ding lost exactly 17.7 and Geary won 13.2. So you see how the gap bridges quite quickly um or can bridge quite quickly in a tournament. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely.
0: And also speaking of uh, some of the players' ratings, like Wei Yi is top ten in the world now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's 2754.8, 2755. So, uh, that makes him top 10. And, uh, and also, it's probably his first time breaking into the top 10, I would guess. It,
1: it is for sure. Um, I think his highest was something along the lines of top 20, maybe. Um, back. The first time where he got around 27 30 i think it was a long time ago in fact like 2016 2015 2016. um it feels like a long time ago because he actually achieved that rating when he was only 16 years of age right now he's only 24. for whatever reason yep. i always thought about way since because he's been going on for so long because he's been in the spotlight for so long um I felt like he's much older than he is. He's only 24. I thought he's somewhere around 28, uh, but he's super young.
0: Yeah, well, I think, yeah, he's been around for forever. So and also because he hadn't achieved progress in many years, people assume that maybe, well, I mean, people have some recency bias in general, which mm-hmm. is natural all we all do, and um, people assume that since he wasn't making progress, that maybe he wouldn't, but of course, he, he's uh, 24 is not by any means uh, old and there's still a lot of he's, he's so uh, young. years or even decades that he could be playing chess at a high level. So uh, it's, it's always too early to make assumptions. That's why, you know, I, I think in general, when we're making assumptions about a player that, okay, they had a bad event, they had a bad run and now they're watched off, Uh It's, it's always too, uh, too early. Like you can only say that once, you know, a player has reached the point where nobody really is able to progress anymore you know when they're um like if a player is you know 45 then we probably assume that they're not going to be making huge progress or if they're simply retired at some point but um uh, outside of that i would always assume players can continue to progress no so uh, like, absolutely
1: and i i thought that ding maybe a, a little bit of uh the spotlight was taken away from him because of uh sorry not ding Wei, because of ding um, you know, they're both, uh, from China. Ding got all the spotlight, became the world champion and Wei was not even playing that much. It felt like for, you know, since COVID started, he barely played anything, which was the case for a lot of oh. players, especially for Chinese players, but it, it felt much more pronounced, I guess, for, for Wei.
0: Yeah. I think in general, we do have to think about, um, how the spotlight is very, very transient to start is, with. yeah. Uh, you say the spotlight was on Ding, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't really say that that was a case until he um, qualified for the World Championship match and won the World Championship match since 2019 when he was, um, you know, arguably, we could say, top three in the world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, by rating and by results. yeah, and, uh, and he won the Grand Chess Tour and so on. And then there was a period where I don't think that people were really... Uh, thinking that Ding would would be making some huge strides in 2020, for example, 2021, uh, he wasn't very active in the chess world, and then 2022 things uh, all sort of aligned, right? And we've already talked about all the things that happened, you know, um, Sergey being uh, banned from the candidates mm-hmm. and Ding taking
1: the whole Magnus butterfly behind.
0: effect. Yeah, yeah, there was a, a huge effect of um, things happening. Who knows what? Uh, you know, you change one small detail and, and everything changes. Like if Sergey plays the candidates, and uh, again, who knows what what changes? But yeah, Ding, and then he won the match, so he's the world champion, and and of course that takes the spotlight from the other Chinese players. But I think also the issue with the Chinese players is that I think they're taxed very heavily mm-hmm. as an, as athletes, and this doesn't really incentivize them to keep playing chess for a long time so even when they're very strong at some point they they don't really play anymore and I think that's because they're it's not as financially viable as let's say for an Indian player
1: yes also what I'm hearing is that they transition into a more of a mentorship role for the up-and-coming new players and this is um this is something that the system incentivizes but also the government incentivizes the government places them into these mentorship roles when they don't seem to be let's say fulfilling their full potential or have reached a peak have you heard about this system before as well
0: i, I mean you can see it from some of their players like li chao mm-hmm. for example was 27 uh, 30 maybe 2740 um wang yu was one of the i don't know if he was ever top 10 but he was certainly a, among the best players in the world Maybe even top 10 at some point i think he was around 2760 at his peak maybe i could be wrong even who um, yeah well how um was the world champion and like basically dominated women's chess because she was by far the strongest and there was almost no competition she was sort of like judith uh after judith right and yep. judith completely dominated uh the field she was um by far the best player for decades and then Po was also by far the best player after Judith's retirement. And um and now it's not so clear who's the best uh woman player in the world. But I yeah, I don't know, of course, about all their personal situations, but it's clear that even though they a lot of the Chinese players are very strong, they don't really stick to chess after a certain point. Uh, and I can give you more examples besides Wang Yu and Li Chao. Uh even Wei, it seemed like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one of the players who's quite active. Remains quite active as Yu Yang Yi. Um, but from other like really strong players who kind of dropped out a bit from chess, Wang Hao is, is another example. So there's definitely... And Wang Hao is, was also like 2760 at, at some point in his career. So a lot of these players are, are very, very strong. uh were the best in the world. But they they didn't seem to uh, keep up with their professional career uh, at, at, a, at a, some moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and... Um... Way uh, as we speak about him, uh, obviously showed incredible performance in the tiebreaks as well. It felt like he was the more stable out of the four competitors. Um, I believe defeated, if I'm not mistaken, back in the first clash. Beautiful attack with the black pieces in the semifinals uh, in the other semifinal anish actually took the lead against gukesh dropped the lead and then was defeated in uh, the third and uh, decisive match in let's say the armageddon so gukesh and wei advanced to the finals and then the finals was absolutely uh, brilliant i have to say and wei really played amazing chess really good chess very stable and very very efficient in time travel I think this is the right word because he 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 made it practically very difficult from a practical perspective for Gukyash to to handle uh what was your take on let's say the the grand finals the tie breaks
0: no I thought that Nodirbek was a favorite in this whole thing I thought he would have been a favorite against way in their match and at some point like this was before it started and at some point I was like okay yeah he's winning this first game with black I even stopped watching because if you look at the position like i don't know after queen c4 i mean on move 47. first game black between noterbeck and Wei. Yeah, yeah black is just promoting pawns and even had a time advantage and Wei he tried this one last trick uh, Rook rookie one c1 queen rook c1 and somehow it worked i don't know what noterbeck missed because after queen c1 queen e6 you can't escape and it kind of looks like you can't escape the checks queen e6 and you you can't run anywhere uh, and but there's queen 2 maybe he just didn't see that queen 2 is a move at all because after queen 2 your queen could suddenly cover checks uh, on the e-file and like even if you don't know if queen two is winning then you kind of see queen c1 as a draw and queen 2 can't be worse for black i mean there's no way that it's a like it, it can only be potentially better than queen c1 or it's the same like they're both a draw if like because let's say you have two seconds to decide you can't evaluate everything but you can see that uh that queen 2 is a better chance right but maybe he didn't miss Queen E2 entirely or just panic under seconds, it, it can happen, yeah. and then that was a draw, and then Wei Yi won the second game which was quite a nice game, I have to say, overall, I mean it was, you know, it's blitz, right it's a bit up and down, but uh, but quite a nice game from Black and then the final, it was it looked pretty smooth, I, I didn't um, well, let's see, I guess yeah, he was in some danger in the first game Wei Yi, that is mm-hmm it didn't feel like enormous danger, but it could have been quite dangerous. There was some moment, but okay, it was um, it was like one move ba- chance that basically White had. It was to play rook c5 instead of rook e6. And, uh, but overall, yeah, in the second game, I think that he just had control like against Gukash totally. There was never really a chance for Black to... Like, maybe Black was equal at some point, but that's about it. Yeah. and. Uh, Okay, actually the opening went kind of okay for Black, but yeah, it was equal. And then he kind of slowly outplayed him from an equal position. Yeah, overall you have to say he scored four and a half out of the last five games. He won two tiebreaks. It's hard to conclude anything that he was very deserving. Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Um, Showed great nerves. But also, you know, Tata Steel was um, a tournament of many stories. And I have to say, very impressed with the youngsters I mean Prague Naderbeck Kukash all of them extremely extremely impressive um obviously Anish tying for the second year in a row um for first place very impressive as well so um a very intriguing tournament how would you assess it from a candidate opponent's perspective
0: I don't put any weight into um into it because it's too far away uh, it's just different circumstances like we, we know that the guys like Gukesh uh, it, they're strong uh, they're dangerous but Jan had a bad tournament okay I don't put much weight into it for candidates um, and yeah it's you know it doesn't say so much I think and I can give examples from the past to back this up like Sergey winning candidates after a horrendous two- 2016 Vikings A. I won candidates after a horrendous 2018 Vikings A. Um, uh, Ian won 2022 candidates after a horrendous Bucharest tournament 2022. 20- mm-hmm.
1: uh,
0: so on and so forth. I mean, no examples. Bing won, I, I won. Match, uh,
1: after a horrendous uh, Vikings a. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And also 2020, I won Vikings a with plus seven, uh, one of probably the highest results in Vikings a history and i didn't win candidates i got 50 percent in the first half like again these are different tournaments and uh we're not going to put i don't think we should be putting so much weight into one uh, one-hand event even though it shows that uh guys like Yi or Gukesh they can of course win these events yeah yeah no absolutely um by the way i saw i found the rating list from uh, january 2010 uh carlson was number one by five points Nepal <laughs> was number two 2805 Anon number three, Kramnik four, Aronian Gelfan Gashimov, I, I forgot about Bugar, who tragically passed away at a young age. Um, Ivan Chuk, number eight, and Wang Yu number nine with 2749. So that answers our question. And Svidler number 10. Yeah. Morzevich, oh. who I for some reason thought was like 2780, was actually 2732 at the time. Maybe he had lost some rating.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um very interesting always to look back I was number 51
0: 51 I was number 51 in the world in 2010
1: really wow that far huh <laughs> I had the impression I that you were top 10 for sure in in 2010, 2010. but no, I was not no. How old I, you I became top 2010? 10 you were like what 17
0: uh, yeah I was 17, 17 in January 18?
1: Mm-hmm. something like that
0: no I I became top 10 in 2012. okay my first time i became top five around that time like um 2770 i think that was around top five yeah
1: yeah speaking of uh gm's young prodigies the us has another very young prodigy we in fact talked about it with hikaru in one of our first episodes last year actually a couple of years ago in september i think just after ultimate moves and the single cup i don't remember exactly yeah, which one, one of our first
0: interviews with hikaru mm-hmm.
1: we talked probably about our most watched video i think at this point it definitely is andy woodward just became a gm today um so could to him congratulations congratulations to uh actually his supporters hikaru being one of them um we have heard in recent times that he is actually supporting his career financially probably paid for you know some of his coaches i think one of them was um yaroslav zerebuk he posted on uh, more or less a retired gm um ukrainian in origins came did his studies in the united states and right now he's working i think in finance somewhere in chicago but um i'm digressing basically hikaru has been mentoring and supporting him financially for a while now and he's been pulling some very good results i've seen him in mexico i've spent some time not, not necessarily spent some time with him but we exchanged some words i exchanged some words with his parents uh with his dad uh as well and they definitely all of them as a family seem very motivated but also um his dad is not heavily putting a lot of pressure on him it feels like this is an internal thing that comes from Andy um he really wants to do well he, he he's really passionate about chess and I think this is extremely important in general uh for the longevity of youngsters not to have you know that reoccurring pressure all the time from from your close uh, circle um so definitely I would say a, a pretty brilliant future ahead for Andy Woodward and for American chess as a whole I mean having another youngest GM right now I think he is the youngest GM in the world obviously um Mishra became historically the youngest GM in the world we we've talked with him I believe last year uh but basically US chess Bright future ahead. What's your take on it?
0: Uh, to be honest, I don't know the kid so well. Uh, of course, I've heard the name. I mean, it's clear that, like, he, you mentioned World Juniors, I think he beat Hans there, right? He did. Uh, so he's he's definitely very strong, but I'm not too familiar with him. I never played him, um, as far as I know. I did notice that the probably the first time I saw the name was uh, when was your the last? Uh, probably it was 2022, the last uh, Fisher Random World Championship because I saw the bracket of uh, the online event for, and, and there was, Hikaru was playing and his bracket, one of his first opponents was Andy Woodward and I never I think heard the name before but then he, I mean the kid was already putting up a tough fight against Hikaru uh, in, in Fisher Random and uh, yeah, I, I mean he'll force it it's hard to say, to make predictions about someone's progress when they're still very young, but he's probably one of those kids who will quickly become uh, like 2,600. And uh, I guess in general, the sky's the limit, although you never know, right? Mm-hmm. So he'll have to work very hard. It's the same with Misha and a lot of these other young talents that they have to work very hard and and stick with it for a long time. Uh, that, But then of course they have very good chances to become a, a top level player. Mm-hmm. Uh, although the competition is pretty stiff as well. <laughs>
1: Speaking it's... of competition, um, in the same tournament, this uh, 12-year-old international master from uh, Turkey, uh, Yagiz Khan Erdog uh international master, 25-24, earns his first, I think it's his first, uh, GM norm at only 12 years of age. Um, and he wins the tournament, 6.5, alongside some really, really strong opposition. Uh, Murzin. Sadwani Woodward, uh Simon Jakub for, from Poland, uh, who I believe is the reigning under sixteen world champion. Uh Pronov, Klimkowski, and already some players that I don't necessarily know exactly. And Faustinioro um in last position. This is the nine year old. <laughs> ridiculous. I, I cannot I cannot believe I'm saying he's nine years of age and he's playing at the twenty four hundred level. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I'm pretty sure his maybe eight. I don't know. Faustino, let's see. Eight, yeah. Wait, uh, is he really eight? Too young. No, 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 wait, no, no, eight. No, that see.
0: sounds too young. He's born twenty thirteen. No, oh, no, no. He's turning eleven this year. Okay, so he's ten. Wow. You're gonna, no, I've I've heard the name for for a while. Uh, I mean, he's well, he's like 2357. fifty seven. Yeah, he's probably probably ten. I, I assume. I don't know his birth date, but um. Uh, which obviously is <laughs> still kind of incredible yeah. uh twenty three fifty seven at ten and yeah or R- dogmas also like he's twenty five twenty four so um yeah also his like uh graph if you look at it is pretty much straight up. so all these kids I, this is like the the generation of players that at some point Prague and Abdistarb and Gukesh will have to face, right yeah um but not for the moment yeah, yeah, yeah. no <laughs> we'll uh... see. Someday. but yeah. yeah they're they're very good it'll probably by the time um, by the time they're 18 they could be yeah, easily 2700 plus players with, without uh any surprise there if, if they get to that point
1: yeah yeah
0: fabi um we're gonna keep it short today by the way i and... just want to mention yeah sure that, uh well we didn't talk about cheating at all and uh i'm because you know, i'm probably going to uh going to keep it that way (laughs) because i don't really feel like talking about it but i do feel the need to mention this um just because like a quote of mine got taken out of context uh or it's not even like got taken out of context it's just that people well it was like kind of stated and then people put their own context into it uh it was on the Levitov chess interview uh and i promise this is like the last time i'm going to be talking about cheating for a while uh, but I, I just want to clear the record again because like they said that i said someone in the top 10 has cheated and then people assumed that this was like well I, I said i would bet on that not that i have like definitive proof or anything which i don't um and then people were like well the top 10 is this so who is it and a lot of people are starting to accuse me of cheating are <laughs> like well is he talking about himself um so I, I just want to clear the record up.
1: That'd that... be some Machiavellian
0: shit right there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean I, I understand that most of it is trolling. I mean I, I get that. Um uh but I was pretty clear in stating that I did not mean the top ten now, I meant in general. And also I don't have evidence of it. And people say, well, okay, if you have no evidence, then don't say anything. But I mean I feel like it's sort of important for our sport. Uh I don't really feel like talking about it anymore in the future because it's, you know, I I don't have anything to gain, right? It's I I get attacked. um, And, uh, and for no real reason. Um, And also people say, like, why don't you take handle internally, but of course, I do also handle it internally. But uh, I feel like very often that doesn't lead to um, some sort of desired desired result. Um, But I I will say just this, that uh, if in general you have Magnus saying like it's an existential threat a few days ago and then I'm, I'm saying it's a problem and Maxim is saying it's a problem. Uh and I won't get into Kremnik because obviously people are uh not um uh not maybe taking him too seriously at this point, but uh he also says it's a problem and even Hikaru at some point has also said it's a serious problem, even though maybe at the moment he's not um delving into it too much which i also understand that position's like okay or, you know it does, it's not helpful and it's probably just distracting and leads to a lot of um, hate that you get which is not fun either so that's why i'm not uh, but I, i'm speaking honestly so, so i'm speaking from my heart and and a lot of players and people not not just players like people also who um are behind let's say the anti-cheating general organizations actually think it's also a serious issue so uh that's, that's all I'll say that I'm kind of speaking from the heart and, uh, and also clarify that I wasn't talking about the current top 10 in general. And, and my opinion is one that's shared by many, including uh, official people. So, uh, it's not like I'm also just, uh, saying some crap. It's mm-hmm. there's, there's some basis to things. Anyway, that that's all I'll say.
1: No, that's, uh that's uh, that's that's a great position and i think probably a good place to conclude our episode for today i'm sure we'll touch on many other uh, subjects uh, in the next one but i think we both are kind of on the run right now so um we'll keep it short uh we'll rekindle our discussion later on in the week maybe uh by the way when are we starting the
0: uh gm uh goat challenge Uh, that's starting the eighth. Perfect. But I'm doing something before that, which I won't, I'm not going to say what it is because I actually don't really know what it is. I I agreed to do something, uh, with a bunch of other chess players and I don't really know the details behind it. So maybe I should have clarified more details (laughs) I I traveled to Germany early (laughs) and it's a chess, it's a chess thing. So I'm meeting some of the other, other guys. Uh, Levon is, is also coming and, uh, I hope it's fun. But I don't know the details, so I don't know what it's going to be. Um, it's kind of going to be a surprise. It starts on the 2nd. We'll see. And there's also the Champions Festival, i just mentioned, Big online event coming up um, on the 3rd. Tomorrow.
1: Well, tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow. Tomorrow, yes. Yeah. Tomorrow, the 30th. Right now we're recording this. 30th. The 31st. We're recording it yeah. on the 30th. 31st is when the championship starts and it lasts for like a full week uh in between the brackets in between the matches and so on and so forth so looking forward to that i might play as well we'll see anyway fabi you have a good week you guys watching us have a great week ahead don't forget like subscribe and all Wait, the good I, stuff
0: i have a good week and they have a great week is that that's how it is we'll leave it that's at a, that. A there. yes that
1: that that is actually fair you, you you don't need a great week you only need a good one
0: I think it should be the other way around but anyway we'll leave it at that have a good week everyone <laughs> have a great week everyone see you guys <laughs> bye bye